Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. I'm Henry Chisholm, uh, and today we're talking about the Buffs' loss to UCLA last night. Um, it was a rough one. It was really hard to watch. Uh, just painful. Just painful to watch. Uh, well, we'll get into the details there. Um, I also had a chance to talk with Andre Simone yesterday about uh, what he saw out of Steven Montez and Davion Taylor at the uh, Senior Bowl last week while he was out in Mobile. So we'll get his thoughts on those two coming up later in the show. Um, And that's kind of the plan for today. Oh, I should also say Buffs women's team took on Oregon State last night in Boulder. And uh, honestly, it probably went the way that it was supposed to go. Uh, You know, Oregon State is one of the best teams in the Pac-12. They were ranked 10th in the country, and uh, they they beat Colorado 79-52. to Um, You know, the the women's team had made a run at a couple of top 10 teams. You know, they played Oregon State tight uh, in Oregon, Oregon, but uh, not... Happened for him last night. I'll be up in Boulder tomorrow, uh, Saturday at 2, when the Buffs play Oregon and Sabrina Ionescu. Always fun to watch her play. Uh, first time seeing her play in person. I usually just watch on TV. That's that's like the one women's basketball team that I like tune in just because I, I want to see it. You know, I guess the Buffs women are kind of that way too, but they're also kind of my job to know what's going on. But yeah, like in my lifetime, I've only turned on women's basketball games purely based on my own interest when Sabrina Ionescu was playing. Uh, so I'm really excited to see her play tomorrow. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, Ashad just Ashad Clayton just tweeted a period. Um, no context, just a period. Ooh, you know what? Before we get into all the sad stuff, here's my Shaw Clayton story. Uh, I'm really excited, first of all, to uh, not have to uh, have his notifications on. Oh, and he actually deleted the tweet. I took screenshots of it and actually tweeted the screenshot this time. But basically, uh, there was a 247 Sports, 24-7 Sports uh, article. Oh, no, it was Rivals. It was a Rivals article. It was basically like the biggest question for each Pac-12 team going into uh, signing day, February 5th. And the the teaser on Twitter was, will Colorado be able to hold off the SEC and sign four-star running back Ashad Clayton? So this was yesterday. Ashad retweeted that. And then less than a minute later, just tweeted yes. Didn't like quote tweet, didn't reply so, you know, they aren't like directly tied in any way other than the fact that he retweeted that and it was literally 15 seconds, 20 seconds later that he tweeted yes. So, uh, good sign there. He did then delete that retweet and his yes tweet. So, who knows what's going on in his head. Uh, I'd love to have him in Boulder. Okay, uh, Buffs men's basketball. Let's just get into it. Uh, rough one, rough one for sure. Allowing UCLA to pull in is it 13 offensive rebounds. Just can't let that happen. Um, there were a lot of reasons for it as honestly, there have to be to, to give up that many 
Um, you know, Evan Batty was in foul trouble. Uh, need him on the floor. I think, you know what the most frustrating part of the rebounding was to me? It wasn't that they gave up. The, well, let me double check. I think that was 13 offensive rebounds. The most frustrating part to me was that even when they did get a defensive rebound, they were f- having to fight for it. Virtually every time they got a defensive rebound, it looked like it was 50-50. It could go the other way. Th- they were down on the ground wrestling. It was just bouncing around. It it was tough to watch. It was really tough to watch. Um, UCLA ends up out-rebounding the buffs by 10. Uh, the guards weren't nearly active enough rebounding. Um, the the bigs didn't box out. There were almost no box outs. I mean, it, it's not hard to 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 rebound, especially when you're Colorado playing UCLA. It's it's not like there's this size advantage that's really causing problems. Um, they just couldn't couldn't box out. They and uh, it's just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating. Uh, the, UCLA had five different players with multiple offensive rebounds. It wasn't just one or two guys who were dominating. It was just the lack of effort from Colorado. And things were tougher when you when you didn't have Evan Batty out there, but not, not that bad. They definitely weren't that bad. Uh, that needs to change. That's been one of the things we've been talking about with this team. Um these these offensive rebounding numbers will just flare up from time to time. I think this ties for the third most uh, offensive rebounds allowed uh, this season for Colorado, 13. Um, I gave up 17 once, 15 once, and I think 13 twice. I can't remember exactly which games, but Northern Iowa and Oregon State, they gave up a lot. Obviously, both losses. I want to say it's 17 and 13. Maybe it was 17, 15. But... Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. You need more effort. Uh, you you need. I don't know what you. I don't know what you need on top of the effort. Uh, Dallas Walton really didn't play much. That was expected. Uh, Tad said this week that we should expect to see Dallas Walton get some run when he has good matchups. When there are teams that are good matchups for him, when there are players that are good matchups for him, he said USC is probably one of those games. That would make you think that. This is not, that UCLA is not. Uh, he played three minutes. Um, fouled a guy. <laughs> but but when you're when you're struggling to rebound this badly, throwing some length on the floor seems like an, an, a way to combat that. Um, when you're not getting open looks on offense, boy, did they not get offensive looks. It's... Uh, it, they were all just shots that they had to throw up late in the clock. Not all, but but a lot of the time, they'd just get pinned and they'd have to put something up and it wouldn't go in. Um, still ended up shooting pretty well from the floor, but uh, you know the, the big offensive number that you look at is the eight assists. That's not nearly enough. Kinley had five of them. Evan Batty, Maddox Daniels, Tyler Bay each had one. Uh, Shane Gatling in the last game had, I want to say eight assists. Did he have eight assists? Maybe it was five assists. Uh, but but he looked like he had things going for him against Washington. Uh, tonight he has the two turnovers, no assists. Um, only made one shot from the field, put up five points. I mean, you 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 need to find more scoring somewhere. Sixty eight is. Honestly, going to win you quite a few games if you're Colorado. Uh, some of that came pretty late, uh, throwing up some of those threes. But 68 is going to win you a lot of games. They're capable of so much more. Uh, it starts with just moving on offense. I just don't buy that UCLA's defense can make Colorado's offense look like how it looked like consistently throughout a season. Um you know, if they were to play this again, play this again, maybe it was just bad luck. Uh, Deshaun Schwartz didn't start. Um, not sure why. 
I haven't seen it reported. I guess I haven't looked back into it today. But uh, Maddox Daniels started in his place. I think that's the first start for Maddox Daniels. Uh, first time Deshaun Schwartz has come off the bench this season. Could be disciplinary. Um, typically, you you see that you know it's it's miss your first rotation or you're coming off the bench, something like that. You know, if you're late to practice or. Uh, Again, this is just speculation. Or it could be that Tad thought that this lineup would work better. You get Deshaun coming in off the bench. That would surprise me a little bit, considering how well Deshaun has played this season. Um, Yeah, Evan Batty put up 14. McKinley Wright put up 14. Tyler Bay put up 12. Lucas Seward put up 11. Deshaun Schwartz put up 9. Uh, then Gatling had 5. Daniels had 3. Um, those, those are your scores. Dallas Walton, Eli Parquet, Dalen Koontz. I mean, they only combined for 14 minutes, but they did not put up any points. Um, you know, they shot 35% from three, um, shot 42% from the field. Those aren't bad numbers. Those aren't bad numbers at all. Uh, from the free throw line, only 74%. You'd like to see that a lot higher. Um this is definitely on the lower end, but but not too far into the lower end. 23 of 31. You know, in a four-point game, though, those those free throws really do haunt you. Uh, 12 turnovers. That's, uh, again, more than you want, but not by a lot. Um, if, if this is a nine-turnover game, then you're saying, okay, uh, that's that's the range you want to be in. Um, but yeah, really, it's just the rebounding that got him. Uh, the, the, the lack of assists, things were hard. And then UCLA late. UCLA made a lot of shots. Um, they probably shouldn't have scored 72 in this game. Uh, again, the Buffs defense needs to play better. You got you to gotta keep them under no matter what. But at the same time... They UCLA was just getting a whole bunch of roles, um, particularly Chris Smith late. Um, just everything he threw up went in. Uh, ended up eight of sixteen from the field, thirteen of fifteen from the free throw line, thirty points. Um, but yeah, how many times did it look like the Buffs got a stop late, and he'd just throw something up and it'd bounce around and go in. Uh, there's nothing more that you can really uh, say about that. <laughs> like it was pretty decent defense. He just made the shots, and sometimes guys will do that. Uh, outside of him, honestly, not all that impressed by this UCLA team. Um, defensively, they played great, and they got the ball to the guy who was hot, and they deserve props for that but uh a lot of it was effort a lot of it was um Colorado shot better than them from the field from the three-point line but UCLA had 10 more rebounds um when when Colorado missed a shot UCLA out out rebounded Colorado 26 to 7 when UCLA missed a shot, Colorado out-rebounded UCLA 22-13. to So you see the disparity there. Um, on Colorado's missed shots, what's that? That's a plus 19 margin for Colorado. Um, or for UCLA, sorry. When Colorado misses a shot, when UCLA misses a shot, that's a plus 9 margin for the, the buffs. That's that. Those ten rebounds are so huge. That's so many possessions. So many possessions. Um, then again, you're not too concerned by the twelve turnovers. It's more than you like. It's also two more than UCLA had. That's twelve extra possessions in a four point game. You miss eight th- free throws. <sighs> it it it's tough. Um, I think those were all the key points I wanted to get to, but you know the biggest thing here that I'm taking away from this game. I mean, first of all, they just have to rebound better. That just has to happen. There's no reason for them to look like how they looked, considering their athleticism, their feel for the game, just a general high basketball IQ. This should not happen. 
But outside of that, I think the takeaway is that it just really is hard to play basketball on the road. College basketball in particular, very hard to play on the road. When you're going into somebody else's gym, they've been prepared. They know what to expect. It's it, it, it adds more variability than I think it does in other sports. Uh, and especially compared to professional sports where those guys are used to that. Um, but this little trip, you know, you leave Wednesday, get in Wednesday night, you're staying in a hotel, have like the shoot around at Poly Pavilion in the morning, and then get out there. It's it's just totally different. And then, you know, UCLA, it's, it's sad how few fans were out there for that game. Uh, Considering that it's UCLA basketball at Poly Pavilion, that that place should be packed, but that's kind of the state of UCLA basketball. They're eleven and ten now. They were ten and ten going into the game, but still having the crowd at your back. I mean, um, think back if you guys were at that Oregon game or even that Washington game this weekend, the the Buffs crowd really did play a part. You could just see how easy it is to build momentum when you have that behind you, and how hard it is to build momentum when you have that against you. Uh, you know, I, I do think that I personally underrated that factor. And again, as co- covering college basketball, I just think that playing home versus road is a bigger and bigger and bigger and different difference the more I watch. Um, and now it just sometimes seems like for the buffs, it's just insurmountable. Like, you just cannot win on the road. It's too hard. Uh, they think back. Oregon State beat the Buffs in their gym. That can't happen. That can't happen. Um, in terms of what this means for the Buffs 2019-2020 season, it's not huge. Um, it's, this isn't the end of the world. It's... It's more frustrating than it actually is impactful. Uh, it's definitely not a good look. And when it comes to NCAA tournament time, this could be the difference between having a three seed and a five seed or having a four seed and a five seed. Um, we'll see how all that actually does play out. But it, it will make a difference there. But Colorado is far from the only team that, that has lost games like this. You know... They, they probably are deserving of something in that five-seed range, um, four-seed range. When you look around college basketball, they could get hot, win a bunch of games, and earn a better seed by doing that, and that'd be great. But you just expect basketball teams to lose, you know, what are the, what have they lost now? 16-5 and five now. If, if they lose six, seven games this season, you say, yeah, Colorado's the type of basketball team that should probably lose six or seven games this season. They won some tough ones. They lost some easy ones. But overall, that's kind of what you see based on what they put out on the floor. Uh, and that's going to be true of pretty much every team that you see play. Uh, they're they're all going to have some good wins. They're all going to have some bad losses. If, if you can skew that a little bit and you know that's one thing that Oregon is great at when when you look through they've they've won four of five overtime games. That's massive. Those those little differences, just pulling out a tight game, that that pays dividends late in the season, uh, and and I think that they're going to get a, a boost that maybe they don't deserve. I mean, they deserve it because they won. But if you just look at the talent on that team compared to the other talent of the teams that also get a three seed, for example, then you'll be like, huh, I'd rather play Oregon than those other teams. Um, and is there something to being the type of team that pulls out close games? For sure. And you don't want to play those teams. But at the same time, if if you can play an overachiever in the regular season or an underachiever that are ending up in the same spot, you probably want to play the overachiever. So I think that's my message here is this is not the end of the world. It does it does mean that USC game is much more important. Um it means that that USC game is going to be far more stressful because all of a sudden, if you lose that game, you slip to five and four, things do get a little bit bleak. Then you're trying to figure out whether you're actually getting a bye. 
in in the Pac-12 tournament. As it stands right now, there are five teams above 500, um, and then UCLA is at 500. Uh, so five teams above, six teams at or better. UCLA has has that tiebreaker right now, obviously. Um, if Colorado does slip to five and four, I mean, there's other games going on tomorrow, so you can't say for sure. They're probably going to be in that four spot or five spot, or they they could feasibly fall to number six. Um, it could also stay at number three, but uh, that's that's going to be kind of the, the a game that defines a lot of the way the rest of the season goes. I think uh, whether we're talking about Colorado's path to a, a Pac-12 regular season title or whether we're t- talking about them trying to pull out a bye uh, for the Pac-12 tournament. Um, two very different discussions. You know, if, if they win against USC, then all of a sudden Colorado, USC both are at 6-3. and three. So tomorrow's game is for the second place spot if you hadn't put that together yet. Um, but if, if Colorado wins that and also beats Oregon when they go to Oregon two weekends from now, then they're in the driver's seat going forward. Then, then they would be, I mean, ignoring those other games, like assuming that they win the same number as Oregon, then they'd be at uh, seven and three and Oregon would also be at seven and three, but Colorado would have beaten them in both the games. So, so it's not like this path to winning the Pac-12 regular season title is, is out of the question now. You have losses to play with and you want to use them on the road and not at home. Maybe you want to use them on the road to teams like USC that are in that upper tier of the Pac-12. Surprisingly, they are there, but they are there um, rather than the UCLA. But in the end, it's it's about not having more than your three or four losses. Right now they have three. Their backs are up against the wall for the rest of this season. Um, and it's kind of felt like it's been that way for a lot of the year. It's felt like their back has been against the wall uh, just because you look at, you know, if they can have one loss every eight game period or something like that, uh, probably more like six game period, then they're they're getting it so early in that period. And then you're just scared and scared and scared. Can you get another? And then all of a sudden they've won enough games. You're like, OK, they survived. Now, now they do kind of have a loss to play with. And then boom, right away in this stretch of, you know, I, I would say this stretch of uh, UCLA, USC, and then next weekend they play Cal and Stanford at home. If you lose one of those games, you're fine. If you lose more than one, it's tough. And I think that's part of the reason why Buffs fans have been so put on edge this season is because the Buffs are finding the losses right when people are starting to be like, okay, I can see the path forward. Right when I was saying, you know what? If, if you can actually pull off this sweep of UCLA and USC, you jump up to 17th, 16th. I haven't had a chance to check on what happened all around college basketball last night just because that game was so late. But, you know, then, then you're looking at that section, that 17 number. Uh, then next weekend you beat Stanford, you beat Cal, uh, you, you jump up to 14th or 13th. And you're going up against Oregon. Oregon's currently ranked 11th. Um, you're going to Oregon for that game and that's probably a loss. That's a really tough place to play against a good team, but it is the 11 13 matchup at the top of the pack 12. And, and you feel like you've, you've built something. They've, they've found this momentum. They've been able to ride it up the national rankings. And as soon as you start mapping all of that out, as soon as they get back up to number 20, as soon as they string together those wins over Washington State and Washington, you're like, oh, okay. And then that's where your brain goes. And then they drop that game because that's the way college basketball works. Realistically, it's about fighting to be in that 15 to 20 range at the end of the season. If they're there, I don't think anybody or any one of us could complain about that. They're a little below it now. They probably will be on Monday's rankings, but They'll they'll have they'll be a good weekend away from getting back up into that range. If they take down Oregon on the road, that's huge, and then they can make that jump and kind of make up for this loss, um, and and get back up into that 
12, 13 range, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just such a long season. They're expecting uh, any team to just climb and climb and climb is not reasonable. It's it's so rare that you see a team that just climbs the rankings the entire season that's consistently underrated. What's more likely is there's a range that team falls in and that's where they're put and they win a game and they get ranked a little bit higher and then you realize, oh, maybe they aren't deserving of being that high because they just lost somebody else and they drop back down and it's this little back and forth going up and down and up and down in that little section of the rankings expecting them to just keep winning and winning and climbing and climbing it's unreasonable it'd be a lot of fun there are a couple teams that go through and surprise the the country every year i think colorado is capable of being one of those teams but like i said they aren't necessarily the most talented when you compare them to the elite elite teams what they could have done though is just win pull out games that they shouldn't have won and then not blown any of the other games. Honestly, that's kind of what the Buffs women's basketball team has done. That that's why you know, they're they're middle of the pack 12 pack instead of dead last like they were picked. You know, because they they're beating all the teams that they should beat and they're beating all the teams that they are like at the same level as and they're they could potentially pull off an upset. They've been so close to pulling off an upset of one of the really good Pac-12 teams. And and that's kind of the formula to I mean that's how you get the best possible uh ranking for your team is you beat all of the teams that are worse than it. You beat all of the teams that are at the same level and you you tack on one or two wins that you really should not have had. You know, and you look at Oregon, you, or you look at Colorado, that, that Dayton win was one of those. And Oregon is a tough game. Colorado was favored. It was the home version of that matchup. Um, but that's in that, I don't know. It's it's the, I, I It was probably in the, that 50-50 range. But they have blown a couple of those easy games. And that's why they're probably going to be right where they belong when the season ends, right around that 20 spot, 17, 22, um, with the potential to make a run for sure, with t- definitely with the potential to make a run. That's how I see it at least. Uh, it's disappointing though. Any any time you lose to a team like UCLA, and, and you have to give UCLA credit, and I don't feel like I've done enough of that. They, they played well. Um, they got the ball to a guy who was really hot. They fought hard to rebound. They didn't give the ball away as much as Colorado did. And then at the end, they were able to close the game out. They missed some free throws and gave Colorado some decent opportunities, but they still did enough to close the game out. Um, So props to them. Um, Colorado is a better basketball team than then them and that's always frustrating when you know that and and I think it, it's this very specific type of frustration um, that you only get in college sports because when you look at the NFL or the NBA sure if, if you dis, disregard like the top four teams in the NBA and then you start looking at the you know the Mavericks you know the Mavericks are a really good basketball team they, they might get a home playoff series um to open up the playoffs, but they're still going to drop some games to the magic. And when that happens, it's still going to be disappointing, but I guess the magic are actually kind of good now, aren't they? Now that I think of it, you know, the Suns, they're still going to drop a game to the Suns. And when that happens, it's disappointing. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, they're all NBA basketball players. The, The level of separation is not the same, but then you look at the difference between a team like, uh, Oregon and a team like Washington State and or Utah or I mean all those and and when those upsets happen it's just like wow that's crazy same thing in football like sometimes worse football teams beat better football teams just because of the way the ball bounces um you know the Chiefs lost how many games this year quite a few. Do they lose like five games this year? That's a lot of games for the Chiefs to be losing. 
especially when you see them now and you're like, wow, they are just unstoppable. When you look at LSU, when you look at Clemson, when you look at all the contenders in college football, the separation between them and the bottom of the Power 5 schools is just massive. There is no way... I mean, honestly, I think I'd be willing to admit, and I think all of you would be too, you you line Alabama up against Colorado, Alabama's going to win that game. Alabama's just going to win that game. Hopefully in two, three years, that isn't the case, but Colorado as a, you know, mid-tier, maybe just below mid-tier Pac-12 football team, they cannot compete. And and in college basketball, it's just so frustrating when you lose to those teams because it it still does happen. I don't know. This has been a long, weird point. But when when you see the potential to to see them climb the rankings, when they've they've won a couple and you and you're getting this rush of seeing, oh wow, they're they're seventeenth in, in net right now. How great is that? I bet if they win, they can jump up to 15 or 16. And, and your mind just starts wandering. And you see that path all the way up to the top. But it's just not how it works. It's it's so rare that you just see a, to- a team climb and climb up the rankings. You have these little setbacks. And that doesn't mean each one of them isn't frustrating and you shouldn't be frustrated. But, ugh. Um... Let's see, we haven't taken a break yet, I just realized. I did not expand more on illegal Pete's. I did I did vent a lot though. Um let's see. Uh let's talk about illegal Pete's. So many cool things about them. The coolest being that they are local. The second coolest being that they give you free things. Uh if you, if you're going to an event, whether that's um the stock show or like My Chemical Romance is going on tour. They're going to be here October 2nd. So if you're going to that, then on September 2nd, either before or after the show, you can uh, stop by Illegal Pete's, any Illegal Pete's, show them your ticket. And then if you buy an entree, like buy a burrito or something, then they'll give you a free margarita and or a free draft beer. Uh, I've actually never had their margaritas. I'm not a big margarita person, but I had a couple last night. Um, basically what happened, well, we went to the uh, watch party for the Nuggets game. There are some stories there. Um, I really had a golden opportunity um, that I wasted. And we don't need to get into the details there because I just realized they probably shouldn't all be public. But um, it was still such a blast. It was so much fun. That was a weird tease for that moment of my life. But um, we watched the Buffs game there, too. We had that on a TV. Um, I was tweeting and stuff. But Allie doesn't eat dairy, and there wound up being cheese on her sandwich. And it was so sad because she said she had, like, the first bite, and she was like, wow, this is the best sandwich I've had in forever. And, like, two bites later, she was like, oh, it's because of the cheese, isn't it? There's cheese on this. And so then she had to get some tequila to... uh, for the lime, something about the citrus. But the point is, I wound up drinking margaritas as well because her throat was like swelling up and she wanted to be able to breathe. And I was, you know, margaritas. Um, I, I, I do think now, though, that I am a margarita guy. Um, I'm going to be spending more time at Illegal Pete's. I need to make that happen. There's one that's so close to me. Um, there's probably one that's close to you, too. Six locations in Denver, two in Boulder, one in Fort Collins. Nine in Colorado, if you don't want to add those together yourself. They're an awesome partner. They're a local business. I love burritos. I specifically love their burritos, like when you smother them in green chili. Oh, there's just nothing better. Um, maybe I'll run into you guys at one of those stores. Um, What else? Oh, Brackenridge Brewery. It was a great time last night. Um, in part, I mean, I know I was drinking the margaritas because Allie was, but the point of the party, so it was like a it was like a pre-game party, but also a during game party for people who didn't go to the Nuggets Jazz game. And so the basketball game started at 8:30, but the watch party started at 5:30. And so we were all just like hanging out, like Breckenridge had all their stands set up. We had all of our stands set up, obviously. Um, and they had like a, a tournament. There was like Papa Shot, you know Papa Shot where you like throw the basketball and the hoop moves. And it was like the same thing, but it was mini. 
And so you put your like finger on the little thing and the little thing, like you like flick the ball up, bounce it off the backboard if you want. I'm, I'm a bank shot type of guy uh, and in and they'll like count it. The whole thing is only like two feet long. And on the other side, there's like another one that's facing you. So you're going like head to head against somebody and the basket actually moves. It was super cool. We have one for our office now. So I'm really excited to spend more time in the office. So like they were doing that. The Nuggets were there. The Nuggets dancers were there. A few of them. Uh, again, missed opportunity. Um, and I'm not going to expand. But so it was like this cool event because the Nuggets partnered with Breck to make the Mile High City beer. And then somehow we were involved. I'm not sure if we went. I, I guess it was like a three-way joint party. And it was a blast. Um, they had $1 tacos. They were very good tacos, very spicy tacos, which is perfect because when they're a dollar, you think you can eat a lot, but then all of a sudden your mouth starts burning and you have to eat slowly. Um, coolest event that I think Breck has put on. No, it's not. It's the coolest one I've gone to. People have told me about other cool things they've done, and I really want to check those out too. Like when they have concerts out there at the farmhouse, I think they call it. Uh, basically, it's like a lot of the time when people play Red Rocks, they'll get like... Uh, who who's one of them i i should know this uh leon bridges is an example leon bridges was playing red rocks but like the day before or the day after the show or something like that he played at breckenridge brewery and they have like a loading dock that is specifically designed to also work as a natural amphitheater and so then they like set everything up there and they just have like a couple thousand people so it's a really small group um for like a more intimate show while he's out there. They do all sorts of really cool stuff. Breckenridge is so, so cool, and we are so lucky to be partnered with them. Also dropped our new shirt last night that's like a combined Nuggets, Breck, DNVR shirt. Um, yeah, it was a blast um, because of Breck. Wow, we are six minutes into me talking about um, not sports. Well, I, I mean, that's kind of sports. And uh, we are about to spend even more time on those things. Um, I just realized I don't know who I'm supposed to be telling you about. Uh, and I'm telling you about Illegal Pete's again. Illegal Pete's is incredible, like I said. Uh, I really like the burritos. I've actually never tried their like tacos or nachos or any of that stuff just because I like burritos. It just seems like kind of the perfect food, especially that kind of food. Um, where all the flavors are so good and you just mix them together. Rice and beans and meat and all the other things that you typically put on a burrito, they'll have them and you put them on your burrito and that's just like right there for you to eat. You can mix it all together so it's all the same. Um, If you like squeeze your burrito a little bit. I really love their food. I'm actually gonna have to make a trip over there. I have to go out to Pepsi Center Monday morning. And it's like halfway between. So I'll probably do that then um, and report back because I actually haven't had it in a while. It used to, I, I think it's still one of my favorite foods in Denver. It's like a local Chipotle and just like better and like fresher. Even though I know Chipotle, they are very clear that their food is fresh. I have seen on TV. Um, let's talk about sports. Uh, so that was the Buffs game against UCLA next up is USC it's going to be a challenge for sure um more of a challenge than we expected going into this season because USC is just so young um they weren't supposed to be ready to compete yet but it turns out they are beating some some basketball teams uh they let's just okay recent results They only beat Utah by four last night, but they took down Oregon State on the road by 20 the week before. Uh, Took USC to double overtime on the road before that. Beat Stanford in overtime. Um, Again, Stanford may have still been on top of the conference then. If not, they were just below. Um, Took down Cal by 32. UCLA by 11. Then this is the confusing result. Washington beat USC 72 to 40 at Washington, but that is a uh, that is like the other loss for USC other than Oregon so far this season. Um it, it, what here's what happened. Essentially 
Washington's zone defense, which is very complex, very good, just shut down USC because USC has so many young players. A lot of their big guys are freshmen, like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds out on the court leading this team. Um, They could not handle that zone defense, only put up 40 points. Um, And I think there's a lot you can take away from that. Um, And that's that young teams are prone to being confused, so you should try to confuse them. For the buffs, I'm not sure exactly what that means because they don't play much zone defense. Um, I I haven't seen a lot of USC. I saw that game. I saw uh, some of that Oregon game, and I've seen a couple other bits and pieces, but I, I haven't noticed teams going zone against them since then. Uh, and again, this is pretty limited viewing time, but it seems like if if you wanted to throw them off, you would do that in the same way that you would do that to Colorado up until they did the same thing to Washington and, or didn't do that. They did the opposite thing to Washington and just blew them up. Um, so that's 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 the weird thing, though, is that of all the teams in the Pac-12, Colorado is one of the least equipped to try that um, just because that isn't their identity. Their identity, like their their best skill is just playing man-to-man defense. And USC is very long and athletic, just freak athletes. Like uh, Onyeka Okongwu is incredible to watch from Chino, uh, 6'9", 245 forward. And he is just so much more versatile than you would expect. Only put up 11 against Utah, um, but before that, he put up 18 against Oregon State. The double overtime game against Oregon, he put up 23, 22. You know, it, he's he's very efficient. Uh, he grabs a lot of boards. We'll get into that in a second. But he can also pass the ball. Like, it, it's... Let's see. In, in his last five games, he has nine assists, which is pretty good for a big man. Um, also, in his last five games, he has 19 blocks, just under four blocks per game in that stretch. Uh, that is concerning. That is that is kind of like an Isaiah Stewart type. Um Again, one of the things that really stands out to me from that Washington game is is when Tyler Bay got blocked hard by Isaiah Stewart on back-to-back possessions, and then uh, like two possessions later, Evan Batty got blocked as well. So for a team that does have two of their three best players as like in the paint guys, um, and and Evan Batty who doesn't really jump, he's more the skilled pushy around type. It's it's scary because he could just dominate the paint. Uh, Onyeka Nkongwu could. And that would be a bad sign. That's where you really need Dallas Walton to step up. Uh, to to be even longer than him. To, to score over him. Because very few people on this Buffs team are going to be able to score over him. And what you don't want to see is Colorado just settling for jump shots because of that. Uh, just saying, nope, we can't get anything done in the paint. So we're going to work outside it's going to be tough um you almost wonder if you want to go small and and try to space him out but he's probably a good enough athlete that that wouldn't work and then on the other end he'd just dominate you in the paint offensively it'll be interesting to see what exactly tad's strategy here is because this is one of the more unique big men in terms of just overall talent combined with his skill set uh, being so athletic, still being six foot nine, but just being dominant at six foot nine. Um, I'm excited to get to see him play Colorado. I do think that this is the type of player that you know Evan Batty in particular has struggled against these these longer, uh, more bouncy uh, big men. Uh, sometimes they can get things done against him. Would love to see Evan step it up. Uh, It could be a situation where Evan winds up in foul trouble if things don't go well, and then you're left scrambling. Uh, Back to the rebounds, though. 
you you can't be letting this man get offensive rebounds uh and it's going to be tough to stop him uh because he is so big and he is just right under the basket um yeah i, I don't have much more to add there other than you have to box him out the guards need to crash the glass uh, I'm excited to watch him play. This whole USC team can be pretty fun, um, and they're exceeding expectations. This is a tough game. Uh, I don't think they've posted a line yet, but I would guess USC is favored. Um, let's see if I can get something. Sometimes USC, or not USC, ESPN has some sort of prediction. Um, like they'll say, like, this is the percentage chance based on RPI and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's. No betting odds yet, but USC has a 57.3% chance to win compared to 42.7 for Colorado. Uh, pretty 50-50. We're going to call it that. Sounds a little better. Um, but yeah, I, USC's hot. Uh, they're surprising everybody they're playing, and they're very athletic. Um Let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, but then when I come back, it's going to be my conversation with Andre Simone from yesterday talking about Davion Taylor and Steven Montez. And I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, since Actually, I probably won't talk to you again. Uh, this is kind of the end for me since I'm just playing that. Um, thanks for listening. Please leave comments. I didn't check if there were any comments on the last pod. There never have been, so now I'm getting complacent and not reading them, which dissuades people from commenting. <sighs> we'll work on that. Um, hopefully, I'll see you guys out tomorrow in Boulder to watch Sabrina Ionescu play. Um, and then we'll watch USC play uh, because they're playing the buffs. Okay, bye. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. I'm here with Andre Simone at mm -hmm. DNVR headquarters. Mm-hmm. And Andre was out in Mobile, which is also where Steven Montez and LaVisca Chenault were, or not LaVisca Chenault, Davion Taylor were for. Uh, we for, wish. Uh, wouldn't that have been great to yeah, see him out there? Yeah, would have been there? lots of fun. Yeah. Ah. He's okay. a stud after all. He is a stud. He probably would have been like the star of that whole thing. Yeah, he would have. He would have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he would have given Kinlon Herbert, who are the other highest ranked guys at, in Mobile, a real run for their money. For yeah, sure. for sure. Well, Dre has no insights on LaVisca Chenault for us, but he oh, can tell none. us a whole bunch about <laughs> Steven Montez and Davion Taylor. So what do yeah. you think about Steven first? Steven, in a lot of ways, was the second best quarterback on his team. Now, he was on the team with Herbert, so beating out Herbert was going to be tough. But really, day one, he looks better than Jalen Hurts. He showed more flashes. He looked a little more polished. Um, it's day two where he maybe had two of the best throws of the day. One, he's scrambling. Um, it's like this nine on seven drill they do and he's scrambling on a boot and just flung it deep. Maybe not perfect ball placement, but he got it where it need to be for a big play. Then he has another one where he's scrambling and throws it over the middle, kind of across his body. Risky throw, but makes the catch, threads the needle in tight. Um, coverage and then had some weird, you know, kind of Steven-esque plays. Seven on seven, very first play, takes off and runs, <laughs> you know, with no rush. Remember who did, was it? 
Paxton Lynch who did that? I t- I Broncos? texted Ryan this as we were as I was recapping the day at the end of that day, and he said, "Oh, the Paxton Lynch special." Yep. Yep. And I was like, "Yeah." Um, he also had two bad picks that day, so you know, it was kind of the full Steven Montez experience. Yeah. Um, and then the game was really horrendous. It was awful. The game was horrendous. Now, of course, he doesn't have any help because the, you know, so it's the game is a weird setting. This is why people don't always stay around because the defense has such an advantage because all formations need to be even. You can't can't go trips to one side or what have you. Can't have motions pre-snap. So a lot of that misdirection you have on offense is done. You just got to play guys straight up. And the talent on defense was just superior, especially uh, the D-lines versus the O-lines. So he was under constant pressure. But again, we've seen this throughout his career, not really able to overcome it. So I think he left people encouraged after day one. And then by the end of the week, it was like, okay, he is who we thought he is. Mm -hmm. You know? um, And what is that in terms of draft placement? Yeah, it's a, it's a toolsy, high upside guy who's mostly a, a one a first read quarterback because it's gonna struggle when he goes off of those. Uh, he's certainly better than say Shea Patterson, who was also there and looked terrible. Um, but you know he's gonna be fighting with those third tier quarterbacks. I think there's a top tier, then there's that second tier. He's in that third tier where I think guys like Cole McDonald of Hawaii, Anthony Gordon of Washington State, um, even Nate Stanley of Iowa will kind of surpass him. And he'll be jostling for position with guys more like Khalil Tate, if someone wants to take Tate and maybe use him as a Taysom Hill or Shea Patterson, or Tyler Huntley, who did not look good at the Shrine from all indications I got. So once he's in that third tier, yeah, he might not be where McDonald, Stanley, Gordon are, but he'll be in that mix. And I think I think I could easily see a team between rounds five and seven take a flyer on him and, and pick him up and give him a year to develop him and see where he's at in 2021 and maybe give him a real shot as a backup. All right. Uh, what about Davion Taylor? First off, how nice is Davion? He is the best guy. What a nice kid. The best guy. Like, he for sure has nailed interviews. For sure. Now, you worry, is he almost too nice? I was talking yeah, to you yeah, about you, this. You, you said exactly that. Is he that? almost too nice? What I mean by that is, you know... Is he self-assured enough? Is he confident enough yeah. in his own skills? Um, his mom was out there, which was cool, just chatting with her briefly. Um, so, you know, great kid from a very nice family was telling me how he's uh, he really kind of struck a bond early on with Akeem Davis Gathers of App State. They're very similar, kind of right around that 220 pounds, freak athletes. Now, Davion... Such an interesting season because he's really the only reason he's in Mobile is because you like everything he has going on. Yeah. Right? He's he's a good tackler. He can rush off the edge. He can cover. You know, he can come downhill and impact the run. But in that star role mm-hmm. this year, which was a new role for him, that it's he a had different to, star role. Right. Last year it was pretty much just a linebacker pass rushing. Mm-hmm. This year he was working out more with the safeties, whereas last year it was pretty much exclusively with the linebackers. And then in Mobile, he's having to be used as a true inside linebacker. So in practices, he's kind of he's a cha- giving out the plays and changing plays from time to time, and really having to adjust to that and like stuffing the a gaps. Right. And like even in that Senior Bowl game when they're going two tight yeah. ends. They they still have him at inside linebacker, which isn't his fit. Right. I don't think. No, I agree. I think his value is really in that hybrid big nickel role, or even as more of a weak side linebacker. Yep. But not just you're right, not attacking the a gap. Though I do remember talking to him after the second practice, I believe, about a, a play out in the backfield, and that's where him and the App State kid really came up the a gap and were able to get. A tackle for a loss. Generally, I think he showed good things because he showed how adaptable he is. 
he showed that he is a pretty quick learner. I mean, he's he's gone from two different schemes and now is trying tried in a different role, a role that might slightly suit him better, but still isn't his ideal role. He's a classic uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder type prospect. If you have a plan for him, he could really surprise you. If you don't, and you try to kind of fit a, what's the expression, a square peg in a round hole, yeah. you're going to have some trouble. So do, do you think that he does get drafted now? Yes, I do. I think he'll be drafted higher than Steven. I think he'll be a guy that very early in day three teams kind of prioritize. I could see him going as early as round four. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, I that think that's all good stuff. I don't know. what. While you're here, what do you think of Visca? Might as well round it all out, even though you don't have first-hand experience. Sure. Um, love him. Have loved him for a while. I think he's a top 15 talent if medical's clear which I fully do at the Combine. I think he's also going to need to run a 4-4 to kind of stay in that range where I have him ranked about now. Um, it's nice to see the draft world starting to come around to him. It's funny how early in the season where he was highly ranked, people started to really be like, oh, well, he can't do this, he can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Start to Now that his stock has dropped because he didn't have the season we all hoped he'd have, People are talking him up. Well, people aren't looking at him the right way. They're not seeing mm -hmm. all that he can do. Um, so, you know, talk about beauty in the eye of the beholder. He's a great chess piece who, with the right offense, the right coordinator, is going to be spectacular. I I really, um, I really have a hard time seeing someone this talented drop out of the first round. Yeah. As long as yeah. assuming medical is clear, which, I mean, from the insights that that we have, it's nothing too concerning. Not I've, at all. I've said, you know, there have been wide receivers like Stephon Diggs at Maryland, never quite able to stay healthy for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just little nicks here and there, but never able to put it all together for a full season. Um, Demarius Thomas injures his ACL coming into the draft, can't go out the combine. His first two years as a Bronco, always banged up. Yep. But then, very reliable and long-lasting. I wonder if Visca's just been kind of a a bad, awkward run combined with the fact that the Buffs really needed to put him on the yep. field. And he never had a chance to recover. Right. He never got back healthy. And then all the touches he gets, you know, just yep. added up to him never being fully healthy and being able to sustain it. And I, but there's no indication to me that he wouldn't be able to do that in the future. I just think it was a. Uh, an unlucky run there, um, and I think he could, you know, we could look back three years from now and be like, boy, can you believe he dropped to 18 because now he's one of the three best prospects to come out of that draft. All right. That's good stuff. Thanks for joining us, Andre. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Anytime. I think they like my Colorado
Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it. Yeah, you better bring your Bible. Quick deck, blind side, flat Revival. Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway.